We'll commence the final part of our paper on condoning error in the days of Lot. A while ago we completed a study on the tabernacle. Many lessons were learned as we followed the assembling of it as instructed by God through his servant Moses. But in my opinion, the most important one by far was demonstrated in Exodus. Exodus 40. And a lot of verses here. 16, 19, 21, 23, 25, 27, 29 and 32. It says, Moses finished the work as the Lord commanded Moses. And each one of those verses, now that this, uh, the tabernacle has been finished, every one of those verses says, the Lord commanded Moses. And in all the intricate designs, in the making of furniture, the altars, incense, garments, tent pins, the curtains, the awnings, and even the small clips to hold up the curtains, and all the other varied components for this wonderful structure in which the Lord God desired to dwell. Therein was nothing of man's ideas. In verses 34 to 38, we read of the awesome result. The tabernacle was complete, and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Why? Because this had all been completed as the Lord commanded Moses. Would to God we could get it into our heads that our ways are not God's ways. In our walk through this evil, wicked world, we must only follow the word of God. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105 For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and a warning to us all, for mine eyes are upon all their ways, they are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. Isn't that a warning? God says, mine eyes are upon all their ways, they are not hid from my face, Neither is their iniquity hid from my eyes. Jeremiah 16 and verse 17. Each born again believer is a temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. Paul says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which ye have of God, 
and ye are not your own. That being so, it is obvious that nothing in that temple should offend him, and I should endeavour to live my life solely in accordance with the word of God. Just as Moses ensured that nothing in the tabernacle was contrary to God's commandments and instructions, so I must seek daily to follow only God's ways. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Psalm 62 verse 5 my soul, wait thou only upon God. Is my expectation from him? We must ask ourselves. He will always fulfill and satisfy my longing soul and my expectation. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Psalm 107 verse 9 May I also seek to fulfill his desires for my life. My prayer should be O oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed for I put my trust in thee. Psalm 25 verse 20 I personally think that one of the saddest chapters in Scripture is recorded in Leviticus 10. But uh, first, perhaps, a brief reminder of the furnishings of the tabernacle. As you will know, the tabernacle was divided into two sections. Entering through the first veil is the holy place called the sanctuary, which contained the candlestick, the table and the showbread and the golden altar for the burning of incense. Then from the sanctuary through a, a large curtain or veil was the second section, the Holy of Holies. This dividing veil was that which was torn in two from the top to the bottom when our Lord shouted, It is finished from Calvary. The work of our redemption was complete, thereby opening the way to God through the blood of Christ and closing the need for man to access God through an earthly priest. The Holy of Holies contained the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. Over it were the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat. The priests always went into the first section, the holy place, the sanctuary, carrying out the ver their various duties. But into the second, the holy of holies, only the high priest entered, alone, on the great day of atonement once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and then for the sins of the people. 
The priests entered the sanctuary in carrying out their priestly duties, which included offering sacrifices at the golden altar of incense. The priest would fill a censer with live coals from the sacred fire on the altar of burnt offering, and having carried it into the sanctuary, there they threw upon the burning coals the sweet incense on the altar of incense, which sent up a cloud of smoke, filling the sanctuary with fragrance. This altar was not used for animal sacrifices. These were carried out at the brazen altar, outside. This whole practice symbolises the prayers of believers and the praise, worship and thanksgiving to God through our Lord and Redeemer. Psalm 141 verse 2 says, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the even sacrifice. Hebrews 13 verse 5, By him therefore let, the offer, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And now we come to what we're saying, going to say about Aaron's sons. Look at Leviticus 10, verses 1 to 7. As I said, this is probably one of the saddest stories in the whole of the Bible. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And they went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord then Moses said unto Aaron this is it that the Lord spake saying I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me and before all the people I will be glorified and Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out into the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp. As Moses had said. And Moses said unto Aaron. And unto Eliezer. And unto Ithamar his sons. Uncover not your heads. Neither rend your clothes. Lest ye die. And lest wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren. The whole house of Israel. Bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Verse 
Aaron was not permitted by God to mourn for his sinful sons. This is a truly sobering event. These men had only recently been consecrated to God for their priesthood. They had been wonderfully privileged to attend an amazing banquet as described in Exodus 24, 9-11. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand. Also they saw God and did eat and drink. How frail and sinful is fallen man by using strange fire in their senses they introduced man's reason into the worship of a holy God contravening his command and will with a horrifying result how awesome the words of God this is it that the Lord spake saying I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people I will be glorified. I must never seek to mix the profane with the holy in my worship of a holy God. There's an interesting story in Revelation chapter 2. About the church of Thyatira. See someone might say when we're talking about Aaron and the Old Testament of course someone will say that the foregoing happened during the time of the law we now live in the age of grace let us then look at Revelation chapter 2 and 18 to 23 and unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write these things saith the son of God who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works. God speaking. The Son of God. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works. And the last to be more than the first. That sounded pretty good. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Because thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, you suffereth her to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols and I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not 
Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. At first glance, as I said, Thyatira appears to have been a pretty good church. They had a loving reputation. Their works of charity and their help to others were well known. Their faith was sound and they had that quality so lacking these days, patience. They worked hard and it appeared that year on year this seemed to be an improving church. So far so good. But what about this woman with an unfortunate name, Jezebel? They were permitting that woman, Jezebel, who called herself a prophetess, to teach my servants that sex sin was not a serious matter. Do you get that? To teach my servants that sex sin was not a serious matter. She urged them to practice immorality and to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. God gave her time to change her mind and attitude, but she refused. They were to pay close attention now to what God was saying. I will lay her on upon a sick bed of intense affliction. Lay her on a sick bed of intense affliction, along with all her immoral followers, unless they turn again to me repenting of their sin with her, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches deep within men's hearts and minds. I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. God is saying very clearly here that condoning these sex sins was not an option. Neither is it an option for us. Do you get that? God is saying very clearly that condoning sex sins was not an option for the church at Thyatira. Neither is it an option for us. There is a similar message to that theme in Romans where God gave them up to uncleanness, to dishonour their bodies between themselves. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, 
and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Romans 1, 24, 26 and 27. Please note that in Thyatira, God's anger extended to those who passively condoned Jezebel's actions. Another study we did recently was about Joshua. Joshua was a wonderful character. He had a terrible job to follow. Moses. But he did very well. And as they approached Jericho, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said Nay but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Joshua 5 verses 13 and 14 Joshua was perhaps up early contemplating the attack on Jericho and how looking at the various aspects of it. Jericho of course was the city cursed by God. When he met this man, his sword unsheathed, Joshua immediately asked a good question in the circumstances. Are you for us or for our enemies? It is important that I know exactly where I stand in my beliefs and actions. Are they clear to me and clear to those around me? God knows. As he said to the church of Thyatira, I know thy works. Quite a staggering thought. The reply Joshua received was amazing. As captain of the host of the Lord... Am I now come? Joshua fell on his face before him and worshipped him. Realised that his captain, his Lord, was with him in the battle. I am reminded of Thomas when he met his Saviour after the resurrection. He could only exclaim, My Lord and my God. And so Joshua and Israel went on to overcome the accursed city, knowing that the captain of the host of the Lord was leading them onwards. And what a victory was given to Joshua and Israel that day. But alas, the victory was soon to turn into defeat. Achan had disobeyed God's command and taken out the accursed thing from Jericho. In fact, a garment, some silver and a wedge of gold. This led to the death of 36 men of Israel. Defeat at Ai 
and the death of Achan and his family. But this is what God sternly said to Joshua regarding the sin of Achan. Get thee up, wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen, and assembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Joshua 7, 10 to 11. If I should disobey the commands of God and his holy word, it does not only affect me, but the whole church of God. We are all members one of another. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Romans 12, verse 5. Will my actions cause difficulties for other believers to maintain a strong witness in the world? Will it? Will my actions cause difficulties for other believers? To maintain strong witnesses in the world. Jesus came to die for each one of us. But he also has some difficult words for you and me. Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth. I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Luke eleven fifty-one and 53 what Jesus was prophetically saying was that the gospel message which he brings and the scriptural commands and doctrines of the church will divide families, friends and loved ones. When and wherever the gospel is proclaimed it demands a response from the hearer. It is that response which causes division. So, there was a division among the people because of him. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. There was a division, therefore, again, among the Jews for these sayings. John 7, 43, 9, verse 16, and 10, verse 19. Wherever Jesus spoke, there was division. But the Jews stirred up devout and honourable women, and the chief men of the city, 
and raise persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expel them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust from off their feet against them and came unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Acts 13, 50-52 Opposition may come from many unexpected quarters. Sometimes, perhaps, from within our own families and closest friends. We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1 23 and 24 Finally Finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take Unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Ephesians six ten to eighteen. Sound the battle cry, see the foes nigh, raise the standard high. For the Lord. Gird your armour on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your cause upon His holy word. Strong to meet the foe, marching on we go, while our cause we know must prevail. Shield and banner bright, gleaming in the light, battling for the right, we ne'er can fail. O thou God of all, hear us when we call. Help us, one and all, by thy grace. When the battle's done and the victory's won, may we wear the crown before thy face. Rouse then, soldiers, rally round the banner. Ready, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. 
We are soldiers in a battle, fighting for the cause of the captain of the host of the Lord. We must not flinch, nor dare to compromise his commandments and his holy word, for the sake of some spurious, satanic, etheric victory. Our captain will not countenance a fifth column in his church, as he demonstrated so clearly in the church at Thyatira. My reason for this paper is to clarify in my own mind what I believe by chapter and verse from the word of God. Without such evidence, my beliefs are only my ideas. And as Paul said, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I am told the North American Indians said of a man with keen discernment, quick to detect dangers, he hears the cataract. He could hear the cataract in the distance. May we be tuned in to the dangers lying in wait for all of us, but especially for our younger generation, and be given the wisdom which comes alone from our Lord and Saviour and his comforting Holy Spirit to warn all of the coming dangerous cataracts which must be avoided at all costs. May I also find these thoughts helpful in my daily walk with God.